0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Hoff. Well, set your DVRs. Today at 115, President Biden is finally going, finally going to have a press conference. I'm sure the Democrat Party is holding its breath to see how this thing turns out. In fact, yesterday, Biden uh, was taking a couple of questions not at a press conference per se um and i mean folks i i again i take no joy in saying this but there is something to be really concerned with about president joe biden especially in the days uh, following his fall up the up the stairs to which leftists and critics in the media who would have said it was time for Trump to be removed by the 25th Amendment, which I'm not endorsing. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms. Some folks would say that that's been the plan all along. I don't want to go down that road at the moment. I just simply say this is uh, we, we have issues and concerns here, and I take no pleasure in, in saying that. I really don't. I really don't. But there, his first press conference is supposed to be at one fifteen today. I'm sure they'll call a lid at one twenty. Makes me wonder how many questions, how many questions have been pre-approved by the media. You think something in the future we're going to look back at this and we're going to find evidence that the media? I'm just saying I'm not making the accusation, but it wouldn't surprise you to find that questions had to be given in advance or that certain journalists would be called on or some such thing like that. Anyway, so there you go with that. Um, welcome, by the way, to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, your adoration and praise is also accepted, Todd at Show.com. i heard from many of you over the past couple of days. Um, some of those things we may talk about on the show, some of those things I will just respond to you directly, but I always appreciate hearing from you and thank you very much for doing that. I want to take a little bit different, I guess, tact today. Um. With everything going on, everything going on, we've got the For the People Act. I don't know if you've if you saw yesterday, Mitch McConnell and uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer going at it in a sense over the For the People Act. In fact, I want to play here in a moment Chuck Schumer um, and his his drama. This is why I call the uh, the, the liberal the, – well, the Democrats, Democrats. Shame, 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 Chuck Schumer says yesterday um, in response to the way that the Republicans have handled um, the For the People Act, saying that Republicans want to put obstacles in the way of people from, from voting – that's that's the argument. That's the position. So the question is whether the For the People Act is to protect people's voting rights, as the left and the media will tell you, or whether it is ignoring legitimate issues that lead to things like voter fraud and elections that are not full of integrity and things that we can trust because there's so much – you look at – you know, mail-in ballots and that sort of thing. Um, You look at requiring signatures. You look at, I mean, mass mailing of ballots and all this sort of stuff. The Democrats want to put that all under the control of the federal government, which basically, by the way, overrules the state's constitutional power to run their own elections. They want to step in and say you have to do all these ridiculous things that any reasonable person— any reasonable person, whether you know that they, they may disagree on specific parts of what we should be doing in an election, what what you know what should be allowed, but surely a reasonable per, a reasonable person could understand some of the challenges or concerns, at least people have about these things. I mean that should be rather straightforward and obvious, but the problem is that is not often. How this is viewed in uh, in the media, and of course in um and in the Congress. So here we are, here we are. And I thought today, I thought today, what we would do is kind of do an overview because there's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of things going on. You you hear this. Uh, the refrain right now, the media wants to, and the and the Democrats they want to over, well they want to do away with the Senate filibuster, which can be changed via the rules, and they've already set the rules, and you'll remember Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema uh, both said, Joe Manchin from West Virginia Democrat Cinema from. Um, Arizona Democrat both of them said that they were not in favor of of changing that rule now there's also um, the belief and I think this is the case you know I say I think because there is do you remember a couple of um, what several weeks ago when the Democrats were trying to put into the, uh, the the COVID relief bill Right, the COVID relief bill, which was really primarily a spending bill, primarily a bill that was full of pork for Democrat interests, but it was called the COVID relief bill, and they tried to put inside that COVID relief bill this thing called, uh, well, the minimum wage increase through, even though the uh, the bill was being passed through a process called budget reconciliation. As you remember, budget reconciliation is a way to bypass the Senate rule that allows a filibuster to take place. Again, a filibuster, we'll we'll go through all this today, but basically a filibuster is a tool or a a rule in the Senate that requires three out of five, 60 percent of U.S. senators to vote to end debate on an issue. So it's a it's kind of a, uh, it's a it's a technical part of the process. So, in order for something that is being debated in the U.S. Senate to, you know, for the, that debate to end and for that to then be voted upon, they have to vote to end debate. But because of the rules, it takes sixty votes to end debate, and so you effectively. You effectively have a situation where 60 votes requires the passage of almost anything in the Senate. The exceptions to that would be budget reconci- something that qualifies for the budget reconciliation process or something that qualifies for what we call the nuclear option, which, again, I'm trying to stay out of the weeds, but give you some information here to set the stage as to what's going on. The Democrats, they believe that they can see the finish line um, for having really permanent— control permanent power in this country and they are really fighting amongst themselves to a degree as to whether or not they are willing to sacrifice short-term losses or you know potentially sacrifice a seat here or there say Joe Manchin or uh, Senator Cinema. but in the long term because of these things like things like the, the passage of this for the people act, which would create all sorts of scenarios whereby voter voter fraud can be a widespread normal part of the American election process. Sorry, YouTube, if that's my opinion, you may want to take me down from the, for that. But. They think if, if we can accomplish, you know, if, if we can get across that finish line and set up scenarios whereby we can never really be, able, you know, removed from power through an election because of this, because of the massive holes that we've put in it, um, then maybe it's, it's worth it. Who cares if we upset the voter, if we have a way, if we have a metaphorical trump card that we can play here and over, overrule what they wanted to, to do in an election. And I think that's really what's going on here. But if you go back to that budget reconciliation, there's a uh, there was a there's a person in the Senate called the parliamentarian. And the parliamentarian is supposed to be nonpartisan, apolitical. They're just supposed to be interpreting the rules and saying when things like budget reconciliation can be can be used. And the parliamentarian ruled that the Minimum wage increase did not qualify to the strict rules of the budget re- uh, reconciliation process, which was the Byrd rule, which came from Senator Robert Byrd, Democrat from West Virginia. He's passed away now um, so many years ago. Not many, but um, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago is my my guess. And But he's the one, by the way. By the way, he's the one who was the – a Democrat senator, but he was a KKK member, a little, literally a KKK leader. And yet they want you to believe that it's Republicans who are basically today's KKK members. It's it's remarkable what they're able to get away with. Anyway, that's another, another side story as well. But the point here is that Democrats, I believe, think that they can see the finish line. and they And by finish line, I mean they can effectively – implement possibly if they have the the will to do it if they have the will to try to fight and to overcome the need for the filibuster in the Senate um, they can by majority for the next two years do whatever they want because there would be nothing Republicans could do to stop them because Democrats control the house Democrats control the Senate even if even if Republicans could somehow win, In 2022, which, of course, then would be up to open to debate, because if you implement all of these policies into law in the For the People Act that make our elections significantly less secure, then by definition, it opens it up to fraud, even though you're not allowed to say that or even though you're not allowed to question that. I can specifically explain why requiring, I mean, requiring ballots to be received, what is it, 10 days after elections? Acting like folks don't have a chance to vote. Folks, we used to have a thing called Election Day. Now, we still technically have a thing called Election Day, but we really have election month or election, heck, in some places, almost an election quarter. You can vote. You can you know, go early vote. You can vote absentee. You can request a ballot by mail. I've jokingly said you can drive around your town's, your county courthouse and just yell out the window who your vote's for, and someone's out there tallying it up on a, on a whiteboard. We're not far from this, is my point. You don't have to have an ID in many places. I shared with you, I have someone from the People's Republic of California that has shared with me that... He went in to vote. You don't have to show any ID. He, he comes in and says his name, such and such. He says, I look down and I see I'm listed three times. It'd be, you know, for example, it would be Todd Huff, Todd M. Huff, T.M. Huff or something like that. Right in a row. So he says, oh, well, I don't know if it was, it was close enough where he could see it. So he said, I could have gone and voted, you know, over the course of, as long as the polls are open, right? I mean, early voting is many, many weeks in most places. So he could have gone three times, and there really wouldn't have been any way they could have proven anything because there's no voter ID. Anyway, my point is, when they look at these pieces of legislation, and it's not just the For the People Act, it's also things like the Green New Deal, this massive spending bill. Buckle up for what we're about to see. What we're about to be told is infrastructure... That's going to include all sorts of other pork for Democrats and the Democrat Party uh, wish list, radical leftist ideas and so forth, coming to a U.S. Congress near you. They, they see not just it, – it's two groups. They see the utopian dreams and, and promises, the radical leftist agenda, recreating the American economy, and by that they mean – I'm telling you, it, it, is not, it is to change it from capitalistic. They want to recreate the U.S. economy and make it more... Now, they'll, they'll tell you something that'll confuse you, but effectively, it's less free and more state-run, government-run, because they're the ones, of course, who can make all things fair and, and equalize everything because they are so great and powerful and intelligent and fair, we just need to listen to them, but more socialistic. And if they can change the rules and say look let's change the rule let's put our heads down let's just walk through the fire and then do what needs to be done to where we permanently can empower ourselves that's the goal if we can walk from here to that safety point you know it's almost uh, it is it's worth it I'm telling you they're they're talking about this behind closed closed doors and so that's what's going on i want to I want to talk about a little bit of, I guess, history today and the way that the founders structured the government. And I, I think it's it's important for this to understand a couple of things, and that's what I wanted to do today. So it's in light of the For the People Act and this argument between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer, the radical left, um, this constant pressure now to do away with the filibuster, which is out there. I want to kind of take a step back and look at look at a couple of things that I think matter and that we need to understand um, as we take a look at the big picture here. So a timeout is in order. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in a minute. My friends, here we are safe and secure inside, inside the home studio where walls worked again last night. It is a truly remarkable thing. Every single morning I come down here, the walls worked. I, I'm just perplexed every day because I've been told that walls do not work. Nothing came into the place last night that wasn't supposed to be here, and there's only one path of entry, which surprisingly is the door. Nothing came through the wall. It's a truly remarkable feat. Program, by the way, also brought to you by our friends at Northwestern Mutual, Blake Hornsby. Blake Hornsby, who has over 20 years of experience, financial advisor, is prepared to give you a free initial consultation when you contact him and mention the Todd Huff Show. Find out more information by visiting BlakeHornsby.com. That's H-O-R-N-S-B-Y, Blake Hornsby dot com or you can call him at 317 215 8322 By the way, advertisers of this program may or may not agree with the content or everything that's mentioned in this program, but they definitely, without any questions, should do that. So I want to take a kind of a half a step back here and look at the uh, I guess the, I don't know the, the lay of the land or, or how the framers how the framers wanted to what they did when they made this this nation. We have this bicameral legislative branch, which means we have two houses. We have the House and the Senate. And you remember from, I don't know, American history or civics, that we reached this, uh, this process of what those two legislative bodies would look like through a process called the Great Compromise. You had small states that said, wait a minute, we don't want everything to be based upon the state's size – because we will be basically, you know, outshouted, so to speak, or overpowered because we're too small to make a difference. And the larger state said, wait a minute, we have more people. We should have a stronger voice in the Congress because we're representing a higher percentage of Americans. And so they came up with a great compromise, which effectively was the Senate was a body whereby each State would have two elected senators. And by the way, this is important to note, too. Those senators would be elected until the 17th Amendment passed 100 years ago or so. But those two senators would be elected by the state legislatures. So the senators at one point in time, they they, they did this deliberately. They said the senators would be a deliberative body. That's, That's how it was set up. Um, they would answer to state legislatures because the state legislatures, who of course are elected by the people of their states, and so it's not direct uh, a direct election where you would elect your senators. That's not how it was ri- originally set up. And by the way, the amendment, the 17th Amendment, was implemented for two basic reasons. One is corruption, and they thought if we could have... People directly elect these folks that would bypass the corruption. Again, folks, there's one antidote for corruption in government, and that is an engaged voting population. That is the one recipe. All these other things that can be done, the con artists will find a way around it. The, the, the swamp dwellers will find a way to deal with it and to continue their. I, I mean, do we think that that ended corruption? Do we think. That the corruption in Washington, D.C. was worse in 1900 than in 2020? <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't corrupt, but come on. I mean we have, reached, we have reached levels that are almost unbelievable of corruption here. Anyway, the other reason was since senators were elected by state legislatures, if you had a house that was run by one party and a senate run by another, sometimes they couldn't agree, and so there would be a vacancy for a long time. And so the 17th amendment tried to create a path or a scenario whereby states could fill these seats more quickly and have the representation in the Senate. So senators have 6-year terms. They were originally elected by the state legislatures that was changed via the 17th amendment in I don't know 19 I think 1912 or something like that. Um I can look. I just don't have it pulled up at the moment. And so every two years, one third of the U.S. Senate is up for election because, you know, you serve six years. So they've rotated the schedule, so to speak, so that every year a third of the senators are up for election. Supposed to be the more deliberative body. Every state has equal representation. There you go. By contrast, the House of Representatives was, it's called the People's House. Why is it called the People's House? Because that was the original branch, or not the branch, but the. Um, you know the, the part of the legislature the 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 house of the House of Representatives was the part of the legislative branch that the people always directed are always elected directly and so they have smaller uh, districts territories that they represent and those territories or districts are rough I say roughly but they're they're closer to the same size so for example um you know, if you take the, what is it, 53 districts, I think, in California, and this is not perfect science, and it's just the way that the, um, but they're roughly, they're closer to the same size, so they're, they're representing similar numbers of people when they get to the U.S. Uh, Congress, and everyone serves two years, so two years is what you've got. So every year, or every two years is at least theoretically possible, now it doesn't ever happen because of, incumbency and, you know, people making a lifetime out of politics and knowing how to campaign. That's what, that's what a lot of these jokers are good at. The professional campaigners, they're not, they're not quality Congress people. They're just, they know how to keep their job. Basically you've worked, you work with the guy like this or a girl like this who doesn't do anything. They spend most of their time. They're like George Costanza. How do I make it look like I'm doing something here and bringing value here? like working on the Penske file. (laughs) Georgia Costanza, but how do I bring value here to this particular, uh, n- not real true value, but how do I make it look like I bring in true value? That is exactly what these jokers do. And so every two years, it's at least theoretically possible for everyone to be replaced. That's not the case uh, in, in reality, but nonetheless, it is a certain. it is certainly possible, at least on paper. So you have these two different you know houses that are in the legislature and i don't want to talk i just wanted to compare and contrast by the way spending is supposed to be originated in the house of representatives i say supposed to be because we've found ways to push the envelope and to work around situations sometimes Um, different politicians have bending the rules and so forth I mean it's like, it's like a Biden executive order. He's going to keep doing them until someone says he can't. And who's going to say he can't? Because the House and the Senate are run by Democrats and the courts are run by liberals. So it's an interesting scenario to find oneself in. But anyway, so let's put the House – well, one more thing about the House. The House, again, is called the People's House. Spending is supposed to originate there. And the reason was is that the House is supposed to, again, be – the direct representation of the people, it's supposed to say it's supposed to be a little bit more passionate, a little bit more fiery, a little bit more I don't know um, a little bit more maybe Patrick Henry than James Madison, right? A little bit more talking in the bars to try to persuade people versus astute and prim and proper and you know formal like the Senate. The Senate, of course, represents states. Now, that's all changed because of the 17th Amendment, but that was the, the setup. That's why the founders did it that way, and it makes a ton of sense. In fact, I'm not a historian, but I find myself thinking the 17th Amendment um, did something that really was not good for this republic because there isn't really a voice for the states anymore. There really isn't the state's interests. Instead of having to go back to people who are running the state's business answer to them now you can make your election about whatever is popular at the moment with the masses even if there's no there there there's no substance there right and so we've lost that element and i don't think that's a good thing but that's i mean that's water that's way way under the bridge at this point so the senate has rules and every the first thing the Senate does when it convenes a new, a new Congress, the House does this too, but we're focusing on the Senate because of the filibuster, the very first thing that they're supposed to do, um, I mean swearing in new members, all these sort of formalities to set to set up how this is, next two years is going to be operated. So they can change some rules, they can you know talk about some things, but a lot of these things are um, kind of an ongoing rule and, unless you really do a lot of work to change it. In fact. Some will tell you that a rule change in the Senate is subject to the filibuster. Unless the parliamentarian says that it's not. It gets really it gets really interesting since technically anything can be done but with the majority vote in the Senate with the, ex- with the exception of the filibuster rule. It's everything is still majority, except the filibuster rule requires three fifths. It used to require two thirds. Of members present and voting in the Senate, at any time on that floor, and that's why used to the filibuster, you had to basically continue to be on that floor and present. Because if you left, and enough people that were in opposition to this legislation, you know, to the debate ending, they could call that for they could call that to end um, with a different number of votes because it's two thirds of those present. And voting. That has changed to three fifths total. It's, uh, there's a couple of changes, and I don't want to get in the weeds, but the, the point is is that it, it's a long standing rule now. And now the groups like the New York Times want you to think it's a racist rule. They want you to think the Democrats have never used it. The Democrats are simply um, almost ha- have been clamoring to, to change this for a long time, and that's simply not the case. We'll talk about that, that as well here. A lot going on behind the scenes. Believe me uh, that that this is, if they could find a way to just snap their fingers and get their For the People Act passed and all their other radical leftist ideas, they would do that in a heartbeat. And they're considering, they're looking at ways to do this as well. So continue this discussion. When we get back, sit tight back in a minute. Taking a bit of a scenic tour through, I guess, the background of what is is going on here in our nation today, talking about the way that this nation was set up and founded and meant to operate. And we're talking here about the Senate and the House and the rules, and and in particular, uh, the filibuster. The filibuster. Um so the filibuster, they're, they're wanting to do away with this because suddenly, and I mean suddenly, we are finding out that the filibuster is just a terrible thing. We didn't hear about this when the Republicans ran the Senate. No one had any problems of this or with this because, of course, that's a good thing. It stopped Republicans from implementing, I guess, Nazism. That's, that's what they want you to believe. I mean, did you hear this? Did you hear people calling for the end of the filibuster in the Democrat Party? People like Elizabeth Warren, who, by the way, has used the filibuster. should also point out, I saw this uh, this morning as I was making some final show prep. Um, Where do I see that? Hold on here. I got a couple of places I've got things pulled up. I think it's right here. The 10 longest filibusters, here they are, in American history. Well, no, that's not true. Since 1900. The ten longest filibuster since 1900. There's a piece in the New York Times recently that said the filibuster is basically racist because this was a tool used by um, individuals to stop things like the Civil Rights Act from passing. They don't. They don't tell you who was using that. Do you know who filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 1957? None other than Strom Thurmond, Democrat. South Carolina, it is the longest filibuster since nineteen hundred, twenty four hours and 18 minutes, according to Wikipedia. So, so they're compl- it is a remarkable thing. Now, they'll tell you, well, Todd, that's because, you see, there was a-, a switch. The Southern racists, as they like to portray you in the South, just a bunch of racists, you... If you're listening to my voice from the South, that is what they think of you, and you used to be a Democrat. You used to be a Democrat, and now you're a Republican because there was a great switch, and the racists moved from the Democrat Party to the Republican Party, and that's why the Democrat Party is not at all racist today. Of course, the Democrat Party is the one who's in power. The Democrat Party, say like Tammy Duckworth, Senator Tammy Duckworth, says she's not voting to appoint any Biden nominee unless they are a racial minority or a member of LGBTQ uh, community. Forgive me if there's another letter I left. I don't know what it is. I think that's what it is now. Although if you've ever seen the entire thing, it's much longer than that. It's it's a lot longer than that, actually. Anyway, so she's she's literally... In fact, there was a company. I saw this Glenn Beck's... uh, the blaze they they had said that there's a company i don't want to say the name i think i know unless i have it in front of me but there's a company that's that's basically said we're not going to hire any white people we're not going to hire any white people major this is here it is right here major health insurance company asks managers to avoid hiring white men that's the report anyway written by sarah taylor at the blaze march 23rd and I'm just going to tell you what the report says. I can't personally attest to this, but it says Cigna, one of the country's largest health insurance providers, has reportedly, reportedly, encouraged hiring managers to avoid hiring white males at the company. According to a report Friday, to a Friday report, this is last week, from the Washington Examiner. So this came from the Washington Examiner, but employees of the company have been asked, quote, not to consider white men in hiring decisions. That's not racism, apparently. Targeting someone to not hire them for their race does not qualify as racism to the Democrats today. I'll let that that sit for a second. If you're a company or if you're a senator and you say, if you're a certain race, I'm not going to nominate in the case of of Tammy Duckworth and I believe uh, Senator Hirono from Hawaii, who's a lunatic as well. I'm not going to nominate or conf- vote to confirm your nomination in the case of the Senate, or in the case of what is being reported here from Signa, uh, from the Washington Examiner and Glenn Beck here regarding Cigna Insurance Company. We're not going to hire you. They don't think that's racist. They don't think that that's racist. It's the it's the absolute definition of racism. But they were filibustering. They were filibustering. In 1957, the Civil Rights Act of 1957, they act like they had no – they've never used the filibuster, and they actually are the ones that use the filibuster in ways to stop true progress um, for equality and for voting rights. They actually stood in the way of this. If you look at the ten longest debate – or excuse me, filibusters since 1900, Democrats led five of those. One was led by an independent, and four were led by Republicans. They act like they they hate – I mean they are literally the reason – all the bad things they're saying about the filibuster, they are the ones guilty of doing it. It was used to stop you know, making improvements towards racial equality via the Civil Rights Act. Strom Thurmond, a Democrat – now in fairness, Strom Thurmond switched parties somewhere along the way. I think he was in in, uh, in the Senate for about 117 years. He was one of the – he may be the longest-serving senator. I think he is. I don't know that for sure, but he, he, he was in the Senate for a long time, he and Joe Biden. Anyway, the very reasons that they're arguing against the filibuster, they are the ones who used it in those ways. They are the ones that used it to block civil rights legislation, 1957. I'm looking right at it right now. They are the very ones. They are the very ones that have done five, at half, actually a plurality because Republicans did led four of these and an independent led one of these since 1900. They're, they have done the longest. Um, they have the longest filibuster on record since 1900, and they have engaged in more of the longest filibusters, of the, of the longest ones anyway. Um, themselves they act like this is something they've been arguing about the whole time they've been using it now suddenly it's terrible because it's folks it's simple it is so simple it's obvious it stands in the way of them getting done what they need done gotta take a break sit tight back here in just a minute This is exactly what I mean, exactly what I just got an email within some New York Times. What is a stupid thing? The morning something. The morning, David Linnert. Good morning. We look at five key facts, facts, New York Times and facts. The New York Times wouldn't know a fact if it smacked them up the side of the head. Facts about gun violence and the politics of the issue. David Leonard. Thank you so much, David, for making my point right here on the live Todd Huff Show. Point five in his facts of gun violence. Facts. This is a fact. He says this is a fact. The fact checkers of the New York Times, again, not having any idea what a fact is, the filibuster is pro-gun. That's, that's what a fact is to him. The filibuster is a pro-gun, is pro-gun. Meaning, the point here is the filibuster if you if you you know invoke or do not if you're in the 60 you're not in the 60 to vote to invoke cloture you are pro-gun and you're basically part of the problem this assault is going to continue and i don't put it past them I, I mean to to find some way to sidestep this anyway just out of time here quick time out back in a minute my friends um lots of gotten lots of responses about some things here today um (laughs) one of the questions is hey they do it why can't we what's wrong with us i mean hey if we know that they're manipulating the system and cheating basically shouldn't we just play along wouldn't that at some level i guess the argument would go i'm not saying i endorse this but look, shouldn't we at least have the right to offset their cheating? Oh my goodness, I just—I mean, I understand the argument, and the position, but I mean, no, it still isn't—it still isn't right. It's still not. Look, we have to be a nation that communicates clearly, but also that does the right thing. Integrity matters tremendously, and I just—that's—that's that's not the way to do it. I understand that what people are coming from here, but got to go. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.